Hey, everybody, and welcome to the To Be Silent podcast. So in today's episode, we talked a lot about the idea of scarcity versus abundance, both in our spirituality, our spiritual practice, and our physical life, and where those two things come together and how they meet. And uh, we invited um, my best friend, who I've known for many, many years, um, Nils, on to talk to us. He's a member of our program, and I think it was a really interesting conversation. I enjoyed it a lot, and I hope you do as well. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to record this whole thing from the beginning so that we can start it whenever it's actually appropriate to start. <laughs> Hold Sounds on. I'm, gonna ex- I'm experimenting a little bit here. Yeah. Now, this is better. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, on a, I'm on a temporary rig in the basement here. So in the bunker. In the Boston Real <laughs> Bunker. Good. <laughs> we've we've done plenty of temporary rigs you know so it's like that's that's good if it falls down i'm just gonna sign off because it's it's kind of jury rigged together a little bit so <laughs> we like that <clears throat> so uh, i'm sorry dustin did you say you had to do like an intro or no i already did the intro for the we we recorded a podcast and then i just recorded the intro to it oh. put a little bow on it and then I didn't, uh, I didn't get to tell you like my, my bio that I wanted you to say for the intro. Do you want to share it with me? Got to, got to do it. Got to do it now. <laughs> King amongst wizards would be how I start. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We'll this go with good. that. <laughs> That's right. So what's on the agenda? Uh, well, so there is no agenda. Uh, basically, I mean, um, well, let, I'll get, I guess I'll give you the same backstory that I gave Brian um, well, before we started the last conversation, which was basically like um, the other day I was kind of contemplating everything with To Be Silent and thinking about how to how how we're promoting it and this whole process of like having the membership open and then having a deadline where it closes and how to automate that process because like from a marketing perspective you know like scarcity increases conversion so everyone says you should do that and to be honest i mean we have found that like people tend to sign up more consistently when there's a deadline and almost always right before that deadline but i don't really like the way that that process feels to me and i don't really like kind of utilizing scarcity not even utilizing it it's not even real i mean it is utilizing it in that instance but like i just don't the way it feels like we're promoting the energy of scarcity because we're promoting we're producing that experience qualitatively for people and so it's like that sucks. So, okay. I don't like that. I don't like that way that feels in myself. So why would I produce it in somebody else as a means of benefiting myself? Even, even if I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, even if I think that like, that's good for them or it's good for me or both, it doesn't really matter. I don't like the quality of that experience. So, um, so, and I was also thinking about just like everything that's going on in the world, like right now, it's like, there's kind of like an endless source of bad news where it's like, um, and there's so many reasons to um, like be afraid right now, be scared, right? And to be like concerned about the future and to feel uncomfortable and what's going to happen and to be worried. And, and so like, I just, I felt like the alternative, the 
you know, the best, a better way to promote what we're doing and to offer it to people is just to really produce more conversations like this with our podcast that are centered around like the core idea of like, I mean, what I wanted to start with and what we did in the last episode was like, you know, just one example of like why everything is going to be okay and how we're going to, how we're going, how we use the things that we do to make it that way. And you know, why, why, why we have reasons not to be afraid. So, um, and you know, so that was kind of the essence of of the last one, but you know, while we were having the conversation, Brian was like, we should get Nils on here because you know, it's, we we kind of had it in our heads that, you know, we would collaborate with you for on a podcast from the beginning. So like, you know, what would that be like? And, you know, and when I was imagining, before we started the last podcast and when I was contemplating that as, as a thing to do, uh, you know, just to make more of them, I was thinking like, you know, just not necessarily like having a plan isn't a bad thing, you know, like just going in and just having the plan be like a conversation where we produce like the resonance of what, what we believe, what we think about, you know, um, what we, what we value, like just, you know, it's like, cause the podcast is, a, is, is, is like, is a physical condensation of our energetic vibration. It's just like, we're just vocalizing ourselves. And so like, and our, what we think and, and using it as a means to contemplate that and share that. And so I think that there's value there. Well, I think it's like, you know, the Joe Rogan experience too. I mean, one of the things he says all the time is, I don't know. I just like having these conversations and it brings me, you know, through the conversation and exchange of ideas and sort of burrowing down, you know, much like Peterson does, right? It's like when he does his lectures, it's like he has an outline, but it's basically like he's thinking uh, not just to himself, he's thinking out loud and including the audience in his thought process, right? So it's sort of like he's trying to figure things out on a deeper level by, you know, actually using that mercurial part, right? The vocalization, the the words and having other people involved because, you know, one of the things why I thought it would be good to have you, Nils, is not just because, I, you know, you have a good grasp of the language and you have, you know, and you know, you have that humor aspect too, which I think is really important, but you think about things and you've done things and, you know, you have information about this, but at the same time, it's like the last thing we want to do is, you know, sort of be in the echo chamber, you know, between, you know, Dustin working with me for so many years and he'll start mimicking back the things that, you know, he thinks are the things that I've taught him. And so there's no, sometimes we don't even know what questions to ask each other because it's, it gets too, that's too tight, you know? And so a lot of times, uh, you know, I'm always um, impressed when, you know, during our conversations, he'll ask a question that's like, Whoa, okay. You know, hadn't thought about that, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I don't feel like, um, you know, I mean, there's some aspect of me that like when we do these things sort of, impromptu it's it's sort of like walking a tightrope a bit but it's uh um i don't mind that challenge i think it makes us strive to articulate what we're trying to do in a, in a better way so that um you know i haven't known you that long so i but i feel 
confident that you you can you know speak from the person's perspective that has done some of this so you have some idea of how to do it but you know that you may have you know um, small nuances that you're not familiar with and you you're going to ask questions about it so um, and that you're comfortable enough to put me on the spot and do that, you know, so uh, I, well, not that's, that I want to put you on the spot. I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I so, relish it, Brian. I want to make yeah, you uncomfortable. And, you're so and, cool and, all the time. It's like, fuck that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But I know I that's break not the your case. washing machine secretly <laughs> and observe you trying to get it going. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny. Dustin mentioned something at the very beginning and it's something uh, I think about a lot you know because we talk about it and, and how you guys are getting new people to sign up and that idea of scarcity and you know that's when I had some conversations this morning about that with some you know the other programs that exist out there and the various uh, you know topics that they can cover um, but I understand Dustin's point about you know not wanting to promote the energy of scarcity but it's almost like scarcity always ex already exists in uh, the concept in economics of asymmetric information, which I might be applying a bit loosely here, but asymmetric information is like, I'm selling a car to you. I know it's a piece of shit, but you don't know it's a piece of shit. So there's asymmetric information in that deal, right? Right. In the case of to be silent, it's like, you guys know what you're offering. You know, you're established enough, Brian, that you've been teaching for a long time and doing this stuff for a long time that you know what it can do for people. Um, and there's folks out there that don't know everything you know about it. Right. But just by the fact that the offer of scarcity of of getting this information resonates with them on a level where they it, it provokes a scarcity that's already in them. They say, oh, God, I, you know, oh, man, I really want this stuff. I want to learn this. This what he's saying, you know, strikes a chord inside of me. If it didn't strike a chord inside of them then there wouldn't be any scarcity to it at all. If I have a big pile of shit in my backyard, unless you're a big gardener and I say, hey, you know, it's going to be gone by tonight. You're not going to drive down here and try to get in on the shit pile, right? Right. So like, the scarcity is predicated on people wanting this stuff in the first place, you know, right. and, and having a deep need for it. And I don't think there's anything nefarious about you reaching out to them in that way. And, you know, I know, and, and certainly there's a level of trust on their behalf in signing up. But I mean, really, what's the buy-in? They, they pay a monthly fee, they check it out, and they can leave if they want to. Sure. Um, so the, the upside is, is potentially infinite, if you will. <laughs> and the yeah, downside yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. really very little. I mean, I know times are tough and it's easy for me to say that, you know, whatever that monthly fee is. And I know some people will scoff at that. But if you look at what people waste their money on, I mean, it's nothing. You know, you get down to the old uh, cup of coffee a day kind of thing, right? And you can certainly do that to death with everything. And you can buy 100 sure. cups of coffee a day on various programs. But uh, anyway, that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Okay. It's good to hear from a different perspective. And I, I get what you, you know, and it's like, I mean, as long as we're upfront with it that way, I'm okay with it as well. I mean, you know, I guess maybe it's just, you know, saying it in this way, in, in, in this format is a little bit easier than, you know, sort of that generic scarcity model that marketers use to promote whatever topic. It could be cat food. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, yeah. right? It's like this, like if you don't get your 12 cans today, it's going to be gone and you're done and, and you're not going to get it. And it's like, uh, you know, I mean, since scarcity is one of those things that is something that, you know, people who are trying to do spiritual practices 
it seems to be one of those things that they're constantly trying to evade, you know, and not be in that mindset. But at the same time, if it's the thing that, you know, is highlighted, you know, just to say like, oh, we, you know, we have this here, we don't know how long we're going to do it, or, you know, I'll do it for as long as I can. But when it, if it comes down to it, when it's, when it seems that it's not, you know, because we spend time and effort and finance and all of these things on it, you know, if it's not something that people want, then I'm going to stop doing that because it's like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Why, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know, selling kites or, you know, or, or, you know, non, you know, non motorized push mowers, you know, how many of them are out there? Right. Uh, it's like, I mean, if you're really promoting that, you know, unless you're, I think you're like, way off base, Brian, you know, the Danish word for kite is the same as the word for dragon. So I know. What oh, well, there you go. Right. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, you know, you can kind of take a different tack, obviously, as you can with everything, but to even, you know, you, you think about it, okay, we're, we're offering this in a scarce way and it makes people sign up. And it's like, you, you know, the, the hard line there is, you know, you're an indecisive mess. I'm going to make it scarce so that you sign up and get this done because otherwise you're going to sit there, right? Like that's the, the audience of like Jordan Peterson's audience, right? Of these like clean your room, like, you, you know, but then you know, you've got different audiences as well. So it plays differently to different folks. And, you know, I think at the end of the day and what I know and what you guys know and what this conversation kind of reveals and allows people a window into is that your motives are pure. You're not, you're not doing it as this get rich quick, you know, evergreen income. Obviously. Scene, you know? It's like, it's, and it's very obvious. Right. And I think the fact yeah. that you spend so much time thinking about this is just a testament to the fact that it's not the negative side of it. Right. I mean, right. Right. You don't see a podcast from, you know, London Real about, you know, going into their, their, their motives like this, right? I mean, it's right. So, yeah, yeah, true, true, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's like, again, it's like, uh, you know, when I started teaching independently, you know, other than, you know, with groups rather than with individual students, you know, in 2008, so 12 years ago, give or take, um, you know, it was, I literally started doing it just to shut up, you know, in the nicest way possible. My assistant at the time who was running my office, uh, my practice office, and she was, she had done a number of those things with me and she was studying with me. And so she was like, you need to offer this to more people. You need to do groups, you know, you need to do this. And I was like, you know, by the end, I was just so tired of her telling me that, that it was, I was like, okay, here you go, put this out there. And, you know, I really thought that maybe three to five people would say, oh, I'd like to do that, you know? Uh, and, uh, and then I could say to her, no, I, you know, I'm not doing all this work for three to five people. You know, it's like three to five people could, could approach me individually and sign up with me just to, you know, uh, study with me individually, you know, that's not a group as far as I'm concerned, you know, but what we found was when we did it, you know, she came back with this triumphant thing. And I really, I really expected it to be like three to five people and, and tell her, no, you know, it's like, and it, it, you know, she came back with this huge list of people. And I thought, Oh my God, you know, it's like, how, you know, because I just, as much as, uh, 
as I think even now that my message is a little bit harder than a lot of people who teach this stuff, you know, it's like, you know, in a way um, it's not all lovey dovey, you know, everything is good and all of that stuff. Um, I was, you know, I thought it was even more dramatic back then, you know, not that, not that my message has changed, but you know, the general message out there was very much sort of uh, puppy dogs and flowers, you know? And so, um, well, thank uh, God I, I for thought, COVID, huh? No more. Yeah, COVID. yeah, wow. you know, and I, th- I thought there's no way, you know, that, that <laughs> I'm a dinosaur compared to, you know, these people. They, you know, they don't want this hardcore message, you know. So right. it's and uh, but I was wrong, and so that's how it all started, and um, and now, you know, we feel like, or at least I feel like, okay, you know. There, maybe there are other people out there that want that sort of no nonsense approach as well. And they're willing to, you know, hear, it, or maybe even, um, you know, that they've been disappointed with, you know, sort of their new agey, no structure kind of approach to these things or sort of that puppy dogs and flowers approach. And, you know, that everything is good and, you know, you should just be happy with whatever you have and, you know, all of right. those things and, and thinking, you know, there may be other people that have had that and they're looking for an alternative to that because it's not working for them. And I don't think that's changed, right? I mean, those people are still out no, there. No, they're still and, out and, there for sure. It's interesting. I mean, when you first started, right, you, you had groups and you had discrete classes and sort of, you know, year to year progress. And it's really right. no different with the online class. I mean, you can call it a scarcity window on the sign up, but really you can look at it as just discrete classes. I mean, a college, you know, you sign up every year, every semester and there's a window right. and you're done and you're in that class, you're in that group. And I think with the, with the onboarding that you guys have to do with new folks and, you know, it's, it's not easy to have people continually coming on especially with the weekly calls because then you're forced to kind of go back and cover the more elementary rudimentary stuff which as we know is the most important stuff anyway right the simple practice that's right start with that's right. But, you know it i think it helps you guys deliver the product better when you know you have that sort of discrete group that you can corral in and say okay you're the new admittance and now you're coming in and we're, we're closing it off because you don't want this onesie twosie coming on that'll really kind of drag down the whole thing Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll see because like, I think we're going to try to put it out there as being open, um, just uh, open for a little while and um, maybe run these podcasts and see how it goes. Um, but if it, you know, if we find, well, and especially if you're or, giving your, yeah, especially if you're giving yourself a time parameter to do that, like, let's say you're going to do that for three months or 90 days or whatever. If you're going to just leave it open for 90 days and see what that produces, if it produces the same as a, you know, whatever we usually do a week long, you know, sort of like uh, launch type of thing launch. Yeah. The, yeah. The, and, and see, you know, is it double that or is it the same or is it less? You know, well, then we'll know. We'll have our answer, right? And so we can just empirically look at it and say, okay, you know, here's the data. This is, you know, obviously, you know. Right. It's kind of like in our last conversation, you know, we were talking about like congruency. And so it's kind of like that's basically an example of like being congruent. It's like I want it to be this way. I think it should be this way. <laughs> it should be able to just be open and we shouldn't have to, you know, impose deadlines to inspire people to participate in something that we are producing that we feel is of high value, you know? And so it's like, all right, well then you run that test and you give it a certain period of time. 
Yep. And, and then, then you get to have that conversation with the world where you're like, I'm congruent in what I'm doing. Now the world can reflect back to me. Like, does this produce the result that I think it should produce? And if it does or doesn't, that's information we can use to correct ourselves and figure out like, okay, like either it either, um, you know, approaching the, uh, promotion of our program, um, in this way that we feel like we want it to be is, uh, in alignment with reality and with human nature and with our own ideals of how we think we should, how it should be, or on the alternative side, you know, our, you know, my personal feelings of, um, you know, uh, ethics or morality or what I want to put out there or not put out there is, 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 um, I don't know, my, the ideal that I'm holding myself to is an ideal that is, um, out, out of alignment with, with, with reality, basically. Right. Which yeah, is, or the general like, populace. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> it's like, okay, you can hold yourself to a certain standard or you can, you can imagine that things can be a certain way all you want them to be. But at the end of the day, they either are that way or they aren't. And, and that, and that fitting yourself into that ideal model that you hold for yourself is either going to produce the results that you want, or it's going to produce no results because it's just, it doesn't have anything to do with reality. You're kidding yourself. So, I, don't know. I don't know if that makes sense or where to go oh, from there, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's a really perfect way of saying it. I think, I mean, that, that congruency, which is a part of the teaching, right? I mean, cause it, when we're talking about all this, it's like, Oh, is this too much? Is this too little? The subjectivity of it sort of becomes more objective when the objectivity is what you're congruent with, right? That adds sort of a, a bedrock to act on. Right. I mean, an Amish guy teaching a farming class is going to be like, we're not sending emails. What are you crazy? You know what I mean? So it's like, there's kind of like these different technologies and techniques and things that you can use to get the, in, you know, you want, you have something you're trying to get people to do. What are you willing to do to get them to do it? You know, there's this whole gradient to that and falling back on what you're congruent with is, yeah. I mean, that, that's a really great point, Dustin. Yeah. Cool. So, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> so, but, um, and so like, where do we go from here? I mean, in, in our conversation with you, Nils is like, well, I feel like we could take this in two directions. One would be like kind of discussing with Brian, like it, the, the natural way that I would take the direction would be to talk about those, the ideas of scarcity and abundance and, like he, Brian's like philosophy around those things from his experience. And cause I think a lot of those um, ideas come up for people when they're talking about their spirituality, um, their spiritual practice, whether it's like how they relate themselves to concepts of abundance. I mean, one of the things that Brian always says to me um, and says on, on a semi-regular basis, you know, is like, there's no difference between a dime and a million dollars to the universe. And so um I feel like that's, that's a, a principle, but it's also an ideal. And it also like has, um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there when we contemplate, like, not just what that means as, as a philosophical concept, but like, what does that actually mean for me in my life? And how do I actually like apply that and experience it within myself, you know? But sure. I was going to say, so that would be one direction. The other There's direction, one direction. Like, one direction. The other direction would be like, you know, like since this is our first podcast with you, like, do you have any? Do you have anything that's like top of mind for you right now that 
you would want to like challenge Brian on or talk to him about. Cause like we, you know, there's always time to, to talk about the idea of scarcity or abundance or whatever. Yeah. Well, how about this? How about both of those at the same time? How about what's on the top of my head is scarcity and abundance. <laughs> and how do we how do we engage those <laughs> well there's this so i had this sort of uh, epiphany the other day I'm, I'm very fond of epiphanies i have so many that i think maybe i'm watering them down too much but i'm, <laughs> I'm an epiphany factory over here uh, so um i had this thought and hopefully i can articulate this well about um it had to do with um clinging to certain facets of my experience that represent abundance right so, you know, to be specific, say I'm, I'm, uh, you know, in my life, I'm, I'm, I have certain people that are very generous with me and, and are capable of being very generous with me. Right. And so they offer me say, you know, a, a stock in a company, right. Literal example, like stock in a company and, and say, Oh, that's great. I have that stock now. So I, I have, I, I have the ability to take the dividends from that, which are significant, uh, enough. And, uh, you know, I can, I can spend it and I can get what I want. And it sort of brings up a lot of things for me. And one of them is sort of say, okay, I've got that now. I've got this sense of relief with that. Like, okay, I got it. I achieved that. I attained that thing and I can fall back on that. Right. But in doing that and in looking at that specific thing in that way and sort of identifying with that thing, I find what happens is if it gets called into question, right? Because everything in this world is impermanent and nothing is going to be there forever. If I focus sure. on that specific thing, I, I can have a lot of anxiety around it and be like, oh, I might lose that. Or maybe I'm, it's not going to pay dividends this year ever. And the market's changing and COVID's going to, and it becomes sort of a, a focal point for the, all the anxieties and all of those things, right? And I sort of had this realization that's, you know, I have at all times abundance in any in, in myriad of different forms and that that abundance never goes away i'm never in a place in the universe where i don't have access to abundance it's just that if i cling to that one aspect that was given to me and say that's it that's the spigot of abundance from the universe and it's drying up before my eyes and i'm weeping at the feet of this spigot of abundance that's being closed off i'm not paying attention to the one that's now opening up because it never stops it can just change form Right. right. And it, because it's always there. And right. our limitations and our beliefs are what makes us think that, oh, it's going away and now all is lost. And I'm crying in my my field of dying grapes and I'm a French vintner. I don't know what the hell just made me think of that, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true, right? <clears throat> I mean, that's the idea that um it never stops, right? And so and you know, I think the other thing is to you know, for me it's always one I think one thing that makes the impact less on me <clears throat> and maybe on you as well. And Dustin, I'm not sure the, um, is that I expect it to change. I never expect anything to stay exactly the same. My expectation when I do anything is that that will change. There's nothing that's permanent, right? Change is the only thing that's permanent. And so knowing that I'm going to do that, I'll ride that horse as long as it's good. And then when it stops performing or I need something else, then I change it up, right? And I have the ability to do that. And if I don't, I sacrifice something else in order to, you know, achieve that new horse or whatever it was, you know, that I need in order to keep moving in the direction that I want to move in. And that even the rate of change is going to be different, right? So, you know, these dividends may hold out for years, you know, maybe for your whole life, but maybe not too, maybe five years max, maybe six months, who knows, right? And if I, you know, 
it's one of the reasons that I never put all my eggs in one basket, right? It's because that when one thing dries up, another thing rises. And, you know, I mean, and that I, I just expect everything to change, that even my practices are going to change. There are certain things that, you know, I can remember over the years that they were like the highlight of my practice. And now I do them once in a, once in a while, you know, because they, they, they dried up a little bit and something else took precedence, you know, of whatever it was that I was trying to achieve at the time. Something, my understanding became, through those practices, my understanding in general, it got more expanded. So I was able to transition into some other aspect that was producing more of what I wanted at that time. Um, and uh, the other one sort of, it doesn't go away, it just gets pared back a bit, right? And there's a natural ebb and flow to those things. But to think it's one of those, I think right from the beginning, it's one of those things that we need, yeah, trying to understand these things we need to eradicate right from the beginning is that things are going to be, you know, either a constant up, a constant down, or a constant neutral. You know, that's like, they're never like that. Even up is going to be, you know, a wavering line. Down is going to be a wavering line, you know, and this is definitely a wavering line in between, right? So mm -hmm. it's like to think that any of these things are going to be consistently, you know, forever on an increase or a decrease or flat is, is already, I mean, there's nothing in this world that's like that. So why would you think that anything that we do is going to be, you know, is going to take that form? There's another aspect too that, that it brings up for me about like the dragon hoarding the pile of gold, right? Like mm -hmm. the, in that it's, if, you know, what, what do you want? And why do you want it? Right. First principles. Right. If, if you've got this source of abundance, which is basically resources in a way. Right. But you yep. don't know really what you want to do with it. It's kind of an interesting thing. Right. Because then it's just sort of stock. I'm just going to pile it up and I'm doing it in the name of security. Right. So I'm going to sure. be secure in this big pile of, of things that I'm piling up. Right. But it's like, no. Not even really that, right? I mean, you, you know, the, you put it, oh, I'm going to put it all and invest it in the stock market and COVID hits and it's cut, cut in half or, you know, there's, there's, sure. there's no avenue for security 100% in the face of that constant change. And that's why it's like, it's better to be the skilled sailor in the winds, right? Than it is to just <laughs> sit. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like your true investment is in yourself. That's the right. only thing that's consistent, right? Is like your right. understanding and your ability. Look, you know, it's like, I, Lay up I treasures use this analogy. Where and rust do not consume. You know. Yeah. This, this this idea, right? It's like you know, people can you know, there are two, you know, <laughs> it's almost like you know, if you're traversing from one place to another, and you get to a point, there's a certain there's a certain point where it's like you hit a river that you need to cross or a brook or whatever, but it's deep enough where you have to actually think about it, right? If you're, you know, you're contemplating it for a certain amount of time. Now, if you're sitting there and spending days worrying about it, you know, by the time you do try to traverse it, you're so exhausted that you can't make it. Right. Instead of saying, and I'm not saying you don't want to be foolhardy and just jump in and go and whatever. Right. It's like you need to assess your ability to be able to do something and then spend the right amount of time so that you have enough knowledge to make a good effort at it. And uh, then finally, you know, either a, you turn around and go back or B you go forward and go across in the best way possible. And it's like, you know, those, and, and I think a lot of people get stuck on the bank, you know, just 
thinking about it, lamenting about it, thinking of all the bad possibilities, all the good possibilities, but just like ruminating about it and wearing their energy down just thinking about it. And then by the time they go to act, they don't have enough energy to really, you know, to really ford that river or, or, or brook or whatever it is, the challenge right. that comes up against them, right? It's like, right. you know, it's all like the other challenges just, that they're avoiding because they're not acting on that one, right? All of the other opportunities right. that you're missing. Right, exactly. Stagnant, and, right? Your sinew and, and your joints are literally freezing metaphorically and like you're, it, well, you're that's lacking, it. losing the ability to act in general by not, by not acting on that one thing. And the momentum of that perpetuates you know, the same thing of just every time you come to something, you know, it's like every time you come to some challenge, it's basically like that rumination kicks in. That's procrastination, right? Where it's just like you're wearing your energy down until the point where you, even if you have the right idea, even if you have the right, uh, you know, let's say ability to know where to put your next step and go across that, you don't have the energy to do it anymore, you know, because you've worn yourself down just worrying about all the you know, the infinite possibilities of what could happen. And it's like, you know, instead of, you know, spend your energy on, on training yourself to maneuver well within that scenario, whatever it is. And in this case, we're talking about life, right? And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, there's certain, if we want, depending on the level of what you want to achieve, right? There are certain general uh, parameters that you should be skilled at, right? So it's sort of like we're coming back again to things that other people have said, right? So it's like you, you need, you know, to, you know, um, you know, be engaged and be good with your relationships. We all learn about that our whole lives, right? It's like enhancing some, getting rid of others, you know, having good experiences, bad experiences, but it's all about learning how to do this you know, in a way that's good for us. Right. And it's like the same thing with our health, the same thing with our level of success, whatever that is for us. Right. And security. So, you know, within all of those things. So it's like, uh, but you know, that's the stuff that we should be doing when we're young, you know, is like learning all the parameters of these things and learning how to, you know, maneuver through this. Look, if you can't, um, you know, the person that can swim a thousand laps in a, in an Olympic sized pool, has zero experience about, you know, learning to swim in the ocean, you know? And so it's a different environment completely, right? But, you know, for life, we're sort of thrust into the life and wherever we started. And then, you know, we have, if we want to stay in that place, well, you know, we learn to maneuver within that sphere. But if we want to move into another sphere, you know, it's like there are avenues for us to do that. And we need to learn to maneuver within those and use our energy to man- learning how to maneuver skillfully through that. You know, it's sort of like a teacher of mine said, you know, it's like the good, um, uh, of course, coming from a different culture, right? The good river man, meaning somebody who maneuvers a barge or a boat down a river, um, you know, a raft more like that is, is like, you know, somebody who looks farther down, right. And says, okay, I'm, I know my boat and my ability to get through these things is, is good enough where I don't care about these little bumps that we're going to get on this rock here or that, but it's going to put me in position so I don't hit the big rocks farther down. And so it's having that foresight and, and knowing how to do that, right? And looking ahead and saying, like, I really want to get to this place. Well, here are all the things that I'm probably going to need to learn how to do well in order to achieve that goal, 
you know, or be, you know, more, uh, uh, the ability to hit that goal is going to be, you know, manifest in a, in a greater capacity for that than, than if I just sort of wander into it and maybe even get the goal ahead of time, but now I can't keep the goal because I don't have the, the skill set to sort of maneuver right. there well, right? And it's about building that momentum and, and respecting the momentum that can work in either direction, right? I mean, Absolutely. When you Absolutely. start floundering, it's, you know, you look at someone, they, they become a hoarder, they gain 100 pounds, you know, it starts layering on these things environmentally. I mean, that's even just physically, you know, I mean, they oh, yeah. put Absolutely. themselves in positions, you're in a, in a relationship that's very limiting, in a physical environment that's very limiting, you're physically very limited, you know, you, it, it just starts to layer on and layer on and then crawling out of that and getting momentum the other way. I mean, it, it can be a long journey out, but it, it, the momentum starts working the other way immediately, you know? Right, right, exactly. Uh, Dustin, I don't know if we want to just take a quick little cut out here if we have to, but to, uh, yeah. if my audio is okay, if, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it better? I kind of had an idea to maybe shift my setup here if you if I can do that right now, if that's okay, to like yeah, sure. make it better. Yeah. Got an idea. I had, I texted Nils that his to increase his audio level slightly if he could. Um, cause I, mm. cause you were noticeably louder than him. And so when you were guys were like going back and forth, I didn't want it to, I, you know, just so you didn't have to adjust it that much. And the- yeah, I mean, I can't really, cause it's all part of one like audio track, but I can, right, 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 I can right. at least like, you know, if we can tweak it, it'll be better in the long run. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll do. A, we should do a, a mic check next time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mic like check. a levels check or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> Where are you, man? I'm in my basement. Short short notice. I couldn't request. Uh, I couldn't request quiet zones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, did pretty good on a short notice <laughs> yeah i mean i got the uh this is a this is a blanket that i nice <laughs> i like it <laughs> so i do have a green screen you know we could go like i could put like the pyramids behind me with, like, shoot yeah there you the go top of them. well it's just, it's just like those zoom backgrounds you know it's like there you go we did that the other day with a, a family call and it was pretty funny actually because if people moved out of the frame, it was like they were sinking into the background and like, then they just, they like disappeared and then they'd come back again. It was like, you know, and it would be like, (laughs) it's pretty funny actually. How's my audio? How's my audio now, Dustin? I can, I might've just been the way I was talking. I don't know. I think it's a little better. Might just be the fact that we're using different devices. So, let me see about this. Mm-hmm. All right, how's that? Is that better? Yeah, that's better. I turned off automatically adjust volume. Oh yeah. On the mic, I don't know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that'll do. It. That'll do it. All right, cool. cool.
That's what I like to hear, literally. Back, back in business, I back put the uh, I put the video like behind my camera now, so I can look straight forward. Nice. I have it on top of the my uh, hold on my now and Zen timer. Can you hear? It? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one of those. I've got one of those. <laughs> Let us begin. <laughs> oh, oh, we're we're in it now. <laughs> Show off our gongs. The the tingsha, the you know the now and Zen timers. The, you know, we're I we're in the, the mode. I use the now and Zen in my sauna, which is right here. So yeah, 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 nice. <laughs> cool. All right, All right. So yeah. So um, yeah. Dusty, I, what you got, huh? Lay something out. What's on your mind, grapes, buddy? Well, um, I guess just continuing with that concept <laughs> of like scarcity and abundance. Like, I don't know. I guess one of the things that like I see out there a lot that. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know quite what I think about this and maybe that's why it's a good thing to, to bring up. But like when I see a lot of the programs that promote like manifestation and things like that, you know, like there's always, it, it very often goes hand in hand with the idea of like abundance. Like people talk about like having an abundance mindset and they talk about like, um, the manifestation or the, the magic that occurs, like when you, when you step into an abundance mindset and, um, like they'll portray like living in their dream life on a beach somewhere, throwing cash around, you know, or like whatever, <laughs> or like, you know, or guys that teach like how to nevelize, uh, you know, like a Ferrari, a Ferrari or nevelize like, you know, money by like imagining yourself, like counting cash, you know, and it's, which it's I did. Like, and I wound up in a shitty job counting <laughs> money counters. You are good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm around millions of dollars on a weekly basis. <laughs> it's just not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) So yeah, it's perfect. I mean, I don't really know like where to go from there, but it's more like, I just, I know that I'm, that's what I sense. Like, that's what I feel when I, when I look at those ads, when they come on my screen, it's like, that's my response is like, it's not that like necessarily that you're full of shit, but it's like, there's something that's not quite right about it. It's like, and I don't necessarily know. And it's, 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 it's like, so, and I think what I sense in that is like, there, there is, it's, it's almost like there's some way in which that's true, but there's also a way in which it's not true. And so because that of that. They're assuming, they're assuming what people want, that it's like all about the money, the cars, the beach, no, like no, it's more, version of it or m- more like, the charlatanism of selling people the idea that that's that's easily achieved mm-hmm. and that like the the universe can be so easily manipulated to give you what you want by 
a process that you can achieve in, internally that is also just as easy if you have the right key to unlock that door, which is the key that I have, which is the key I'm selling you. The inner so, circle platinum program as well. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all of that stacks up to a di- to like, I feel discord when I see that. And uh, because like it, it, it it's part of it too is like the disparateness of like, okay, the, the audience that sees that the reality of the, their life situation ranging from anything from, you know, like, you know, average American income or middle-class, you know, American consumer to somebody who like barely has enough money to just have a phone that they can see that add on that's like scraping by that's like living in like, real real scarcity you know to you know to to the person who is portraying themselves in that situation of of living a dream life or whatever there's just there's just this like whole stack of like of just incongruent situations messaging realities and i think that that's like what we're seeing now like one of the the one of the channels that i keep sending you clips of is like these guys uh rebel wisdom which we really like right and i think that like that's one of the things that they're really trying to get at in their conversations is like one layer of it is like uh i don't know like how do you communicate clearly and truthfully and like perceive truth and like wisdom, truthful wisdom that you can apply in your life that will help you wherever you are right here, right now, no matter what your situation is, when there's so much ultimate subjectivity happening all the time in the world right now, like the ultimate subjectivity and by ultimate subjectivity, I, I mean like the person who is in a relative situation of poverty, looking at that ad and feeling like an abundance mindset, isn't going to do it for me or I've tried that. It didn't work. That's horseshit. And I have the real, the real life experience to prove that. And then there's the person who's portraying themselves in their dream life, selling their product or program to help other people get there. And they're actually like congruent with their messaging and what they're doing and what they're selling. And they're living in this like super financially abundant state. And those two things are both true for each person, but, but like what's the actual truth in, in, you know, in the middle somewhere. It's like, how, how are we supposed to like figure that out? And then also like, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, I, I don't know if I can articulate my conundrum better than that. I, I think I know what you're saying is that, you know, the idea that it, it, if it makes, here's the thing, if, if you can't articulate it, I don't think you need to more than that, because I think what you're, the core of that is like, how do you take these two seemingly diametrically opposed truths and where's the commonality between them? You know, where's the commonality between the, you know, the person that has done that literally like, I mean, the first person that comes to mind like that is like, like, let's say Joe Vitale, who's a, you know, law of attraction guru, you know, and, and like living on the streets of Houston, 
you know, for homeless for a long time. And then finally, you know, through tapes and messaging and going to the library to get, ta- I mean, like stuff that we today, it would be a momentous, I mean, b- I mean, back then was a momentous thing to do, right? Compared to like today, where if you have a phone, you can dial up almost anything and get it, you know, just in your head all the time. You don't have to go to a library, get a library card, you know, you know, go and, you know, I'm just thinking of all the things that I remember, you know, and thinking about him listening to some of his lectures and saying like, Jesus, and even going into the library as a homeless person, right? And seeing that you have a library card, which didn't cost you anything, but having to deal with the opinions of people in there that are like, you know, I don't want this guy in here, or I don't, you know, what's this guy doing here? Or he smells bad or whatever. And, but just being so focused on that was your light at the end of the tunnel to try to get you out of that place, not knowing any other way to do it, right? You, you get to that desperate place, right? Where it's like, I don't know anything else to do. So it's a real surrender of your, you know, um, you know, just your worth and your ability to what you think about yourself and putting all that aside and just saying, I don't give a shit what other people think. This is the only light and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to closer to the end of that tunnel so that I can maybe if everything is true about this and I really put myself out there and I really do that. Now, how many people really do that? You know, I think that that's part of the, you know, the conundrum here, right? It's like, you know, and we have the data on that. This is not something that we have to actually, you know, it's not a matter of like, oh, this is just my opinion or that's Like we have the data on that, 2%. 2% of the people that do any of these programs, whether they're business programs, financial programs, 2% of them actually hit that highest level of achievement. You know, so 98%, it doesn't mean that they haven't gotten something out of it. Sure. It may be just to the point where it made a, a, a more clear idea for them of what it would take to do that. And maybe just a, a certain aspect of their life got better. Could be the financial aspect, but it could be some other aspect, right? Relationship, health, whatever. They've gotten to a certain point of that, but, the, but what they were going after didn't didn't come to fruition, at least not in the way that they expected it to in that territory. So 2% make it to that, you know, super duper level, just like we can take anything in nature, anything in our society, we can look at those percentages, all we want. And, and that is, you know, that comes through, right? the 2%, you know, of the wealthy in this country. But then there's the 2% of them that are the super wealthy, right? That they're untouchable financially. They would literally, you'd have to sell the earth to get them out of that place, right? So um, not only that, but the goalposts, I mean, you look at, I think it's if you make over $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of income earners in the world. In the world, right, Right. exactly. And I mean, it's, you know, and when you talk about, uh, the, you know, the, the ads using all these things, like at the, you're at the beach and, you know, the cars and all this stuff. I mean, you know, uh, what, what the West has gotten used to is a normal lifestyle, like where you're taking these, these vacations and the, right. just the level of prosperity. I mean, we live better than Louis XIV, right? You know, right. I mean, people in the ghetto live better than Louis XIV did in the Palace of Versailles, right? They have more access to resources. And so it, it's interesting to think about like what, what, what do, it really comes down to. What do you want and why do you want it, right? And I mean, to say you've got this, it does, 
how much does it take to make a person successful and happy? I mean, you can look right. at a homeless person and say, oh, look how far you've got, you've got to go before you can own the New England Patriots. Or you can say, look how far you've got to go to have a nice little home and a nice family and grow some vegetables in your backyard and have a decent job. And, you know, it's, it's where are the goalposts, right? And everyone's entitled to, to do whatever, obviously, whatever, go for whatever they want. But Yeah, you know. pick, pick the goal that you want. Uh, you know, and, and I think the same thing with any of these programs. I mean, like, okay, the program has to be something that works obviously it can't just be you know you know i mean it shouldn't be a get rich quick sort of scam you know but i mean if it's something that actually is viable like a lot of the business programs and the people that we've listened to over time right i mean they're they're successful people they're not they're not people that are you know you look at their bank account and you go i mean they're transparent in that way right they actually do they have done the things that they are teaching right and so that's a good thing but you know again i i often think about and i can't remember who who said this but it i I love it i'm sure i'm going to paraphrase it a bit it's like most people miss their opportunities because you know it carries a shovel and it looks like work (laughs) right and so i I mean as soon as you said shovel i was like i'm out Well, that's it, you know, but that's, that's the idea, right? It's like, if you really want any of these things is, you know, you have as much chance of just miraculously manifesting it as you do winning the lottery, which we know is a bazillion to one chance, right? It doesn't mean that people don't do it. Obviously people win the lottery or there wouldn't be a lottery out there to win, right? So it would just go by the wayside. So, you know, but the idea is that, you know, where are you going to hang your hat, so to speak? Are you going to, you know, for me, I've always, um, I've always sort of doubled down on myself rather than, you know, a thing or, um, or uh, because, you know, you could, you could buy into, spend money, do whatever on the best program in the world, right? But if you're not going to do anything about it, if it's just more, it's like the people that buy, you know, learn at home programs, right? And then they, they sit on the shelf and they, you know, it, there's like a percentage, it's like 80% of those people, like they never take the wrapper off. Right. It's like, that's, I'm way, that's blown. I, I take that the blows me time. away. Right. I'm feeling pretty good. You're yeah, there you so go. Good so here, it's right? like, you know, you're in the zone. Get rid of those wrappers right away you know, <laughs> before it goes into the dust collection phase. <laughs> but that's an amazing percentage. When you think about it, people actually spent their money, you know, yeah. hard earned money, you know, which is basically just a representation of your time, your effort, right? It's like people right. give you money for your effort and your time, time you'll never get back. That's the thing, right? We, we make jokes about it now. Like, Oh, you know, you listen to some, you know, conversation or some program or you watch some shit on YouTube and it's like, Oh, I'm never going to get that time back again. You know, it's like, it was a waste, right. Or a bad movie or whatever it is. You know, we all have these little things, but it's like, you know, to actually spend your hard earned time on something and then never take the wrapper off it to even engage the practice to see if it will produce something for right. you, you know? So now you can just tuck it in a folder on your computer and just forget about it too, which is nice. Right. You know, just really sure. Sure. You know, I mean, so. this for me, interest, it, you know, brings up again, the whole concept of what do you want and why do you want it? Right. 
Because if right. all of these tools don't even address that, then it's like they're one step too far and people are getting it and they, they're buying a tool for a purpose. You know, oh, I bought a chainsaw. It's like, why? Oh, I don't know. Just look really cool. I don't have any trees, but God damn it. I wanted this chainsaw. I love uh, the sound I, of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's interesting. I mean, and especially too, not to intellectualize this too much, but it's like... I, I think a lot about this in doing the exercises, you know, what do you want and why do you want? It's it's sort of a lot of what we could want can be socially inherited. You know, it's based on the context that we've sort of, you know, here we are. I mean, you can look at it like um, my soul chose to be born in this American society, you know, that kind of thing. But what we want comes from, you know, a lot, is a lot of that's learned. And that's why there's kind of this fine balance between doing that exercise and writing it out so deep and going, why do I want, why do I want that? Why do I want that? Because you're almost peeling off the layers that were culturally added to get to that deeper, more archetypical sort of incarnated need within you. Right. Right. And I mean, I had sent Dustin a link uh, earlier in the week, which was, um, it was a guy, it was like a cocoa bean farmer in Africa and he like $7 a day. He has like 19 people in his family. I, they implied that he has like seven workers. He has 19 people in his family and he has $7 to like deal with all of those people, like pay the workers, feed his family. And the guy had never eaten chocolate in his life. So he was like a cocoa farmer for like 20 years making these beans that get exported so we can go to CVS, eat half a chocolate bar and throw it in the trash. And this guy had never eaten chocolate in his life. And, you know, when I watch something like that, I'm like, you know, the gratitude, right? Cultivating the gratitude in my life for what I have and it's like okay what do I want and here's this big list of stuff meanwhile that guy's like I want what that guy has right he's looking at my right. life like what what are you serious? how you work eight hours a day five days a week what the hell are you talking about right now <laughs> well, he doesn't even it. know what not working is right I mean they've got the clothes on their back right so you know and again with that, that dichotomy with Dustin's talking about that distance right there is a relativity to it as well I mean for that guy to get to where we are is a big leap but you know I mean you can, Huge. It, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for, for what, you know, it's, it's individual, right? I can't put myself in that, in that guy's shoes. I can't be him, but I can, I can use my awareness of him as, as, as cultivating, a, you know, some gratitude within myself for what I do have and not, not losing sight and overrunning what I have and saying, okay, I need more, I need more, I need more, which is kind of the, the Western Chasing your way, shadow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Chasing you know, your what's shadow. The next thing? What's yeah. the next thing? Yeah. Right. And there are some people that live for that right? It's like, it's not even about the amount that they have now. It's how much can they acquire? And that's the thing that they love. Like I had a, a friend, uh, you know, a number of years ago, um, who, uh, you know, it, his business ran so well that uh, he was on top of it and, and they had produced this business that ran so well that at a certain point, he got so bored, he used to break things within the business so that he could fix it. Like he would, he would set up situations that he knew were going to go south and let it do that so that he could fix it because he was so bored with just the, you know, the capacity for the business to that's, self-correct. That's interesting in the context of our conversation earlier about change, right? About that, right. you know, nothing lasts forever. Everything's changing. Well, he's in this situation. It's almost like, okay, you want this? Let's see what it's like when you're in your little prison cell of an office when everything's just running great and there's no Right. I mean, that's sort of whatsoever. like that hypothetical situation of people saying like, oh, I would love to see, you know, like, like if I just, you know, why, you know, why do you keep doing this if, if you can just produce whatever you think about? You know, it's like, well... Right you know, then, then why wouldn't you just keep doing that? Well, you know, because you get, you know, if you had that ability, which, you know, 
you know, we could speculate all day about that. <laughs> you know, if you had the ability to do that, you know, wouldn't you get bored after a while, you know, because right. being a human, you know, unless your whole, like Alan you, know, you wouldn't says, be human you, you anymore if you were out of that zone, right? You'd you wouldn't be a surprise, human. Right. Yeah. That's what Alan Watts would always say, like, yeah, if you're God, eventually you're like, okay, you know, the monad says, I'd like to be two for a while. I'd like to forget about myself for a little while and try something else. Right. Which is kind of that hermetic idea. You know, the only thing that, you know, that, that the only thing that God doesn't perset, <laughs> per, um, that he doesn't have is limitation, right? So when you don't have that, how do you experience yourself? How do you experience the world? Well, you know, if you have all these other abilities of being, you know, omnipotent and omniscient and, you know, all of these everythings, right? It's like yeah. you create keep going, a little- Keep going, keep listening. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, you, you keep, you know, you create, you know, these little avatars basically, which you can experience the whole thing over again from their perspective, each one individually all at the same time. Wouldn't that be a novel idea, right? So it's like I can experience myself through them trying to achieve union with me and through all of their life experiences. So, you know, we all become just my ideas that, you know, I'm just a POV you know, for God, you know, and so it's like my good experiences, my bad experiences, my neutral experiences, all of these things, you know, I'm trying to do, it, my goal is to try to give, you know, like if you, you know, this is one of these things that happened to me a long time ago, you know, it's like I had this idea, like, look, you know, um, you know, if, if you, if God or some aspect of God came to you and said, all right, um, you know, tomorrow or a week from now, you know, I'm going to live observing and, and, and experiencing everything you experience, you know, and I, you know, your only goal is to experience it to the fullest, you know, whatever that is. And whatever you think there's no right or wrong, you can't do it incorrectly. The only thing that you could fall short on is not really experiencing anything like being afraid to go out and do things, you know, because you're afraid that I'm going to be upset with you if it's, if it's bad. And in, you know, and I thought about that and I thought, you know, wouldn't that be, you know, kind of a, a cool way to live your life? You know, it's like, okay, if, you know, he is sort of, or whatever this, Thing that we call God is, you know, within each of us and is experiencing everything we do. Wouldn't you want to make that as interesting for him as possible, right? It's like, you know, you'd want to set it up. So you'd like, you know, you'd probably wake up early, you know, you'd be engaged in all the things that you think, you know, it's like you eat the very best stuff that you could and really enjoy it. You'd want him to experience it, not just like shoving everything, you know, and like going on, <clears throat> you know, you'd you've been watching run me through eat. your day. What's that? Have you been secretly watching me eat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hey, bit of a shoveler. We, I've been we've, all, of shoveling. we've all done that, you know, but, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, it's like if, if we knew that that was the case, if you really knew in your heart, you know, that you had that experience and that, you know, at the end of the day, he was going to go like, <laughs> dude that was wild you know thank you for that that was so awesome you know or like okay you know yeah there was some good stuff there was about you know or like you know just like 
you know, I gave you the keys to the kingdom and you sat on the couch. I'm pretty disappointed with that. Why should I let you continue? You know, it's like, it's, you know, it comes, we have so many stories from so many traditions about that, right? It's like, you know, it's like, and I always think of that biblical one that everybody sort of, you know, sort of misinterprets all the time, or at least, you know, from a standpoint of like, to those um, that much has been given, more will be given, you know, if you do something with it, and from those who's taken it away, it gets more gets taken away, right? So it's like the guy that gets the, you know, whatever, 10 silver pieces when the master goes away and one guy invests it and makes more and comes back and says it the other guy buries it because he doesn't want to lose it because he's too afraid and the yeah. guy takes it all away from him and throws them out right because it's yeah, like he didn't bullshit. do anything it's like, what the hell i put it in the ground i kept it safe <laughs> right but not good enough not good enough you know even what would be better is if they would have had a third person that invested it and lost it all and he learned that experience, you know, that would have even been an, okay, you tried, good. You know, what'd you learn? Anything? Okay, fine. Do it again, you know, and right. try to make it better this time. I you feel know, like that's that, the same guy that's like the brother of the prodigal son too. You know, the prodigal son comes back. He's like, can I catch a break? I'm doing everything right over here. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. It's like, nah, you know, it's like, he, but that's too, you know, it's almost like it's too boring. You know, it's like, you yeah. know, you're, you're in the safe zone all the time. And some people that's their mode, right? They need that. They need the idea that, uh, you know, again, part of that scarcity idea, bringing it back, right, is that, uh, you know, people feel like, you know, they don't want to uh, sort of invest what they have now from experience and put themselves out there anymore to glean more experience, right, of, of whatever nature. You know, you're, obviously you're going for the good experience, but you might fall short okay, well, you know, then you don't do that. You adjust and you, and you, you know, if that experience is something you really want to have, you know, you have to invest something of yourself. You know, you have to have some skin in the game in order to produce an effect that's different, that's more novel, right? And so, um, you know, but some people aren't willing to do that. And I feel it's the same thing with this. It's almost like there's a whole class of people that think that, you know, spirituality is just you know, should be given for nothing and should be, you know, it's just sort of your birthright and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, the, the potential is there for everyone, you know, but who's right. going to, you know, manifest to what degree is who puts the most skin in the game, you know, when it comes to that. That's such an interesting concept, though, you know, uh, and I, I'm always have the fortunate and unfortunate ability to see both sides of everything as if I believe it, which leaves me sort of ambivalent. <laughs> <laughs> but no. you know the whole the whole money spirituality thing i mean that's something you guys have run into immediately i mean you see it every time anyone's trying to do anything spiritual and there's money involved they're like oh it's you can't you know it's profane to have money right, involved right, right. in this at all like how dare you ask for money you know and they you know they're running into the temple and flipping over the tables you know the money changers tables right and it's like i think you're missing the point here yeah. you know and i think it says more about the what the way they view money itself right i mean money is nothing it's a medium of exchange of of, of resources right and so right if, if it's it's interesting because if you know, if they really do look at it like that, then they're saying they're saying the teachings aren't worth anything, basically, because right. it, either it is worth something, and then there's a there's a there's a valid exchange of value, or there isn't. I mean, we have a saying around our office: if you give something away, it has no value. 
Right. You know? and, and ours, it's a tangible thing. I mean, we, we have certain products that come with like accessories and stuff. And if you just give them to the people and they go, Hey, uh, we lost that brush that came with it. Can we get another one? And you go, Hmm, well, next time, you know, we sell that machine, that brush costs $5. And then they go, Ooh, right. Put that brush on the shelf. It costs $5. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> you right. Know? so, I mean, we see that with kids these days, all, you know, for a long time, it's like, you know, if my kids were, you know, we tried to teach them, but you know, they'd go through these phases, right? If they were, if they, um, you know, were lackadaisical with things, you know, then, and it broke or whatever, then they didn't get another one. You know, it's like it, they'd have to go and, and, you know, do something to earn that back so that they had some, some value to it. Right. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, um, and I remember the things that were of really high value to them, you know, they really took care of, you know, because they knew from the experience of their uh, siblings or whatever. It's like, look, if you broke that, if it, was a, if it was a real accident, that's one thing. But if it was negligence or something like that, then it was like, no, they didn't just immediately get a replacement, even if it made life harder for us, which usually it did. So like right? if they ripped their pants or something, you just send them to school with no pants. They're like, yeah, oh, basically, you know, it's like, you know, here's a tablecloth. <laughs> you make do. <laughs> Get a stapler and some construction paper and figure it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so as a kid, I had to walk six miles through the snow naked. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> You're on my team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You know, it's like we just didn't have the resources. You know, if you grow up like that, I mean, it's like I grew up like that. It's like we didn't have the resources. I mean, uh, you know, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't, I mean, I learned early, right? It's like, you know, you needed to get back and forth to work. You couldn't always get a ride with somebody, you know, you had to get a car. And so, you know, you got the car that you could afford. And it was like, my parents didn't have the money to buy me a car. It's like, Jesus, you know, it's like, I, you know, I've been working since I was 13. So it's like, you know, come on. So it's like, they were like, and don't forget, you're going to have to get insurance, you know, and don't forget, you're going to have to have maintenance and you're going to have to buy gas. And so it was part of like understanding that, you know, all of these things were inherent in, you know, and, and taking care of that thing. It wasn't like I was racing around in this car that was going to fall apart. You know, it's like I needed to get back and forth to work. So it's like, you know, you, you're looking at the goals that, you know, that you want to achieve. And for me, it was working, getting enough money to go away to college. Right. So it wasn't like, that was the goal. It wasn't about like having a fancy car and, and, it, you know, racing it around town, you know? When so you look back on it, Brian, you don't look at it. You don't, you don't feel like you didn't have enough, right? You don't look oh, at no. it like that, right? It's just the way it was, right? No, it's just the way it was. And, and you know, and uh, somebody asked me this the other day and I'm like, they're like, God, you know, you work so much. And I'm like, you know, that's one of the things this COVID thing has done for me. Right. It's like, I, I said, um, you know, honestly, I mean, and it's not to take away from anybody, but I'm just saying for myself, look, I haven't had this much time off in 30 years. Yeah. No, I, I could agree. add all the time off I've had in 30 years. It wouldn't equal the time off I've had in these last couple months. Not, yeah. not at all. The silver lining on this thing for me has just, you know, knock on wood. I mean, I haven't suffered any family, anybody getting it, you know. Right, right. I know there's right. a lot of suffering out there, but the upside to this has been enormous for me. I mean, I, yeah, me too. I got, too. I got married I mean, last year. I weighed 207 pounds. I'm down to 177. 
I mean, I've been like, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, I've just, uh, I've taken full advantage of this and it's, it's yeah, absolutely. But I think that that's a mindset too, right? It's like, you know, we see, you know, there's an old saying, it's like, you know, uh, chaos, you know, produces opportunity, right? So it's like, if you're looking at it that way, it's like, it makes a big difference, right? So it's like, and, and people would say, oh my God, but you work so hard all the time. And it's not like I'm a workaholic. Believe me, I can relax with the best of them when I have the time, but I do what I feel is necessary at the time. And I put, you know, put things in order. But anytime somebody says, oh, you work so hard, I, I always tell them the story. It's like, anytime I think, and you, and you know, normally I don't usually even say that I'm working hard, right? I mean, it's like, because I think about this story of my grandfather. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side was a miner, an iron miner. And um, my, um, my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, you know, was going through, after my grandfather had died, he was going through the attic with his mom, my grandmother, and saying, you know, like, he came across all this stuff. So they were packing stuff up and they were moving to a different home and all of this. And so... Um, and he found this thing in the, you know, in like the family Bible, right? So they would keep these things, you know, pictures and whatever. He said, no, oh, I found this, um, uh, he found this, uh, oh, what, what do I call it? Like pay stub, you know, just the pay stub of your, of his check for that. And he said, mom, why, you know, why, you know, what's this doing in here? And he's like, he's like, it's single by itself. Why would it not be with all the other ones that he had if you kept them over those years? And she said, oh, no, I remember that one. We saved it because of the event. There was like a bad flu, right? And so, um, and it was, and the miners were like, being wiped out by this flu. And so the mine, it was during the war and the mine had to keep going, right? It was like the biggest iron mine in the country. And so, um, uh, so the mine uh, set it up so that any worker, of course, times were different, right? There wasn't a lot of like labor laws and things like that, right? So he's like any worker that didn't have the flu that wanted to come into work could work anytime they wanted, as long as they wanted. And so, you know, my grandfather didn't catch it. So it's like, you know, he would go in every day and she's like, I remember that. So, he, he, And it was like, he did like a hundred hours that week. Heavy labor. This is literally breaking rocks. When I think about stuff, when people say like, well, it's not breaking rocks. It's like, this guy broke rocks <laughs> for a living, right? Underground no light, no anything, you know, it's like artificial, you know, light, no, no right. knowing if it's day or night outside and working till he was literally exhausted. Well, one of the most dangerous jobs in the world too. I mean, exactly. Right. And, and, and like just working on a, with a skeleton crew in there leaving when he was so exhausted, he couldn't keep his eyes open, worked a hundred hours that week. So 40 hours and 60 hours overtime breaking friggin' rocks and she goes i remember that because you know you know it's like we we bought all the kids new boots and new jackets for winter because it's really cold up here and uh, you know like and we we filled the pantry with groceries and and uh you know and we paid off all our bills and i still had a few dollars to put there was still money left over meaning a few dollars in the mason jar i'm not kidding they had a mason jar instead of a bank in the cupboard right where they kept their savings. And, um, and my uncle told me, he goes, it always gets me, $32. $32 the guy made for that week. 
you know, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> anytime somebody says, you know, oh, you work so hard, I'm like, <laughs> no, you know, not, not in comparison, not compared to the people that I, I came from, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, and, but, but the work ethic that they instilled in me, you know, I produce it in the way that I can, but it's like, you know, but even when I think about it, it's like, no, not, you know, not working the way that, you know, the way that he worked to provide for his family and to take the opportunities. How many people do we know that, you know, like even within the law, right? If they're offered more hours, they go, fuck it. Nah. Even if they have need of the extra hours, it's like, they won't do it. And, and it's like, I just, they have their reasons, but in my head, it's like, I, I, I can't understand it. I can't put myself in that place. I've never been that person. You know, it's like they may have their reasons and I'm okay with that, but, but it's like, I, you know, but then don't bitch about, you know, needing something extra and not being able to, somebody's not giving it to you. It's like you're given the opportunity, but it look, <laughs> you know, but it, it carries a shovel and it looks like work. So you're not going to do it. Right. It's like, that's that whole idea. So it's, it's interesting too. I mean, you know, he, he's probably, he was probably a lot happier in that than most people are not knowing what they have. Oh, can you imagine? It'd be like if somebody said, hey, we're going to give you the opportunity in a week's time to pay off all of your debt, all of it, to stock your household with food, to allow you to provide some extras that, you know, your children need and whatever, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that, but you're going to have to bust your ass to do it. You know, how many people would actually do that? You know, it's like, that's the thing back then, or even when I was a kid, oh my God. I mean, you know, people would all, you know, if, if there was a fault, it would be that they'd overestimate how much they could actually do before collapsing. You know, that would be the over, you know, the over idea, but it wouldn't be that they wouldn't do it. Right. It wouldn't be a choice. Do you They'd think, be like, I mean, Jesus, that'd be awesome. Do you think what you're saying here about uh, sort of revealing and what's endemic to our culture now is really because we've crossed so far past the subsistence line and like our conversation before that most of the world is still there. Most of the world is still in that steel mine and in that cocoa field and, you know, whatever. And they're, they're still doing all that. And we're sitting around not really knowing what to do. You know, we're sitting in the Roman Empire before the fall and we're like, oh, you know, like these are my first world problems. And yep, yep. And, and, and it is interesting because it's like we have so much opportunity. Like you said, I mean, we've been given the keys to the kingdom, not just because, you know, we are the God here at this point, but because in the social and cultural context that we're in, we have so much opportunity, you know. Well, that's it. So and, much. and we're, you know, and that opportunity has come from the people that have come before us. Right. And have built this place on innovation and, and hard work and a, a wicked work ethic, you know, a melting pot at its very core. Right. And, but all with that idea that they could make something of themselves and, you know, make something and contribute also. It wasn't just make something for yourself, but it was also contribute, not just make it better for your, you know, your kids or whatever, but actually build a society that would be good for everyone and better for everyone at some level. And, you know, and I feel like, you know, we're, we're coming to that 
frontier in spirituality too, where it was like before it was, you know, the spirituality was obviously, you know, more limited, let's say, you know, only a few choices and now there's more of it, but we're expecting it all to be handed to us, you know, like, Oh, I just want to go to church on Sunday, or I just want to go to temple on Saturday and just, you know, let it all flow to me in a way that's going to be fine. How much more too now? I mean, it's interesting to think, you know, you're, you're referring two generations back. Right. And I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I look at my dad, right. My dad grew up on a farm, worked on a farm his whole life. I mean, the work ethic, he's, you know, 85 years old and he's out splitting wood today. Right. I mean, he's just, you know, he, you, he's just a ball of muscles and like that, you know, right. But, but now we, it'd be interesting to think, you know, where, where is this going? Because I mean, the children's children's children, you know, they say, Oh, my dad, man, he could watch so many YouTube videos in a day. It's like, it was so impressive. I mean, he could watch 500 YouTube videos in a day and ignore my mom's anorexia, like nobody's business, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, is that where we're going? Is that what yeah. we're inheriting? He had, the, he had the best excuses for not going to work. That, that was guy could awesome. tweet, man. He could tweet better than the president. Like he's a man. He was a tweeting machine. You know, I mean, his fingers were his fingers were curled over from tweeting so much. You know, think about that. Your grandfather worked hard on his his social media to you know sell his his money making program, right? I mean, you know. Anyway. Well, that's it. You know, it's like, it's, it's so hard to know, right? It's like, I, but I feel that that's where we've gotten. And it's like, those are such um, interesting experiences too, to, to just jump in and work, like even physical work, you really, we've discounted it so much. And now, you know, everything's going back to the trade schools now, you know, locally right. here, the local Vogue school is like Harvard to get into. Kids are like, oh, I've got oh, my yeah. interview. I've got my interview for Blackstone Valley. I'm like, you know, when Dustin and I were in school, we're like, what the Vogue school? What are you talking about? But it's like, <laughs> no. And, and, and to their credit, I mean, it's an amazing institution. You know, they teach Absolutely. people real things. You know, it's not just a, let's go be an English major and get drunk for four years in college, right? It, it produces a person that wants to go and, and have a trade and do something valuable and add value to the world. You know, you don't right. need another communications major. And if you have another, and if you have a couple extra brain cells to rub together, you know, you get other people to, you know, you organize a, you know, a, a company and instead of just installing, you know, HVAC by yourself, you know, you have a hundred people working for you installing HVAC and now you right. have, you know, uh, you know, uh, the lifestyle that other people dream about, right? But it's like, you know, not from selling programs online, but basically from, you know, doing hard work and things that people need, you know, you find the value and, you know, what people want, right? And it's like, you know, you you know, I'm going to be the last person that, you know, fixes my own HVAC system, right? It's like, you know, I'm definitely one of those people that's, that's taking advantage of these guys coming out and saying like, dude, I got plenty of work for you you know, come, I'm, I'm happy to pay you to do this stuff. You know, I value your services. So, um, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, where are we, what are we doing here? It's like the same thing. Uh, you know, and I think that, you know, these spiritual practices that we want to bring it back to what we were talking about. It's like, you know, how much do you want to be engaged in it? You know, it's like, and what are you trying to get out of it? I think, again, what do you want from your spiritual practice? Do you want something as, you know, let's say everything being equal, 
you know, do you want some kind of visitation? If, if that's what you're looking for, well, there's a certain number of routes that will take you to that, right? And so, right. And, and it's a shitload of work to do it, right? It's uh, um, because there's all these other things that you have to do before you can start, you know, maneuvering along that path. And, uh, you know, but if it's just like you want to feel good about yourself for whatever reason, and, you know, you're buying into this idea that, you know, is like, suffering is okay and you do that while you're here and then when you die you get everything it's like right, let's keep catholic school out of this please <laughs> <laughs> i'm a graduate <laughs> i've got the scars to prove it <laughs> well i think that like really brings up the core of it for me in a lot of ways is like <clears throat> you know with this program i think that if we had an ideal model, like it would be more like those um, vocational schools that you're talking about, Nils, where it's like, we want to build something that is like, you know, offers something of real substance and a real value that's focused on like doing something, you know, doing practices where like you, you do them, you put in some work and you get a lot out of it and that it helps to provide for you and on those around you in some capacity. And with these things, it's like, for me, I know it's like this in so many ways is one of the most, it's, it's extremely intangible. Right. And yet I do liken it in my mind a lot more to work that is more closely related to craft and work with physical objects, whether it's like a carpenter making a table or like a plumber fi fixing the pipes. It's like, well, we're the table, we're the pipes. Our life is, is that, and that's what we're using these things for. So, you know, right. but it's hard to, I think it's hard to like communicate that or to, to relate that and to show that because it's not like necessarily at the end of doing these practices, you have, you know, like a table to show somebody and you're, you're like, this is like my master table, you know, the best no, that I, I can. But I think you do. I think you do in the end. I would disagree with that because it's like, you know, of the other three territories, like if we, if, if we stick with the four sort of umbrella territories, I haven't found anything outside of this, but let's say, you know, your success or financial security, any of that stuff, one, you know, your relationships, you know, another one, your health, and then your spirituality, you know, so those four territories, it's like out of all of those, right? Out of all of those, it's like, you know, of all of those, those first three, we can almost guarantee that there's going to be some trials that, that those things are going to fall apart, right? It's like, you know, whether it's you, you know, health doesn't have to be something awful. It could be you break your leg, right? And so, you know, you've got to repair that or whatever, or you have a bad illness and you're trying to bring it back, right? Or something, you know, it's like success. You could lose everything and have to start over again, right? It's like, or, you know, you, your investment fails, right? COVID, boom, you know, and so, you know, now, you know, you're okay. You're still working. You're good. You know, you've done other things, but that investment part is gone. So, you know, it's like, and the, the same thing with relationships, 
you know, people, whether it's friends or intimate relationships, they dissolve or, you know, or something stressful happens within them, right? So all of those are sort of like, they can be stressed out, right? They can be, there are points where they get to a, a critical component where you're really, you know, working within that structure isn't enough to, you know, bring you through that in a good way to a better place, right? And I feel like, you know, your spirituality, if it's a practical spirituality, it's enough to, you know, sort of mitigate any of those things and get you through that. But at least from my point of view, my personal experience, I've had major upsets with all three of those other things, okay? The health, relationships, finance, or security, any of that stuff. I've had major downfalls with all of those things. And it was only my spirituality, my practical spirituality, that, that was the thing that consistently, when practiced in the right way and directed toward those things, was the thing that actually, you know, brought that back and brought it back in a better way than it was before. And so I feel like, you know, that's the real point. And, and that's the thing, right? How balanced is your life in the way that you want it? You know, what do you want? Why do you want it? You know, what do you want? What's your picture of, you know, the being that you want to be in at any given time? And does your spirituality, you know, uh, uh, bring that to completion or move you in that direction so that you can occupy that. And I feel like that's really the sort of the, where the rubber meets the road with spirituality, at least from my perspective. Ryan, couldn't you also say, I mean, you know, the, even those, those four things that you listed are, are, uh, you know, they're an artifice, they're a contrivance, right. That we use as mm -hmm. a tool to understand these energies and forces around us. But I mean, there really is no spirituality without the physical, right. I mean, the physical is, you know, there is no tree of life without, without Malkut. I mean, it right. is, the, it is the basis. It's a, it's a reflection of, you know, of us. It's our, you know, th there's nothing in the physical that we encounter that doesn't have a deep meaning, whether we're aware of it or not. Right. Right. At least so, by our standards, you know, it's like, an, unless you're, you know, a true atheist, which I feel like is almost an oxymoron, right? That it's like, um, you know, you're, you're God pretending that there's no God. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like nothing to see here. Move along. Right. So, so yeah. So there's, you know, it's kind of a weird thing, right? It's like, so if we go on that presupposition that, you know, that there's nothing that that universe, that energy isn't in, or we're, there's nothing that it's not, there's nothing that's here that's manifest that isn't made out of that energetic structure of one form or another, then, um, you know, you can't divorce yourself from it. So the only thing that you can do is to try to understand it and, and use it in a way that's going to promote what you want. And I think, right? What, what Dustin said too, you just said, you know, you can't divorce yourself from it. I think what it is, is that we, we tend to try to divorce ourselves from it, right? We compartmentalize spirituality as separate. And so then we could conceive of this, you know, okay, I'm doing these spiritual practices because I want a result. And we sort of say, oh, you know, and Dustin, and I used to joke about this too. You know, it's like, I'm, you know, it's like you're trying to meditate and like the dog's barking. You're like, shut the fuck up, dog. I'm trying to meditate over here. You're disturbing my mind, you know? And you're like, gosh, if only I could just, if I could just stop that dog from barking, I would be enlightened right now, you know? And it's like, that dog is you, you know, it is you. And then it's like, right. 
So I, you know, I totally get what Dustin's saying as far as like, you know, it, it can be difficult to feel like you're making progress sometimes too, especially, but oh, like, sure. it's don't lose sight of what you're losing sight of. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, but that's the idea, right? Is that we constantly, and that's why it's so important to bring it back full circle. It's so important to have a goal, right? Because you're, you're constantly course correcting, but if you don't have that goal in sight, you know, if you don't have that North star, you know, there are plenty of ships in the ocean, right? That like, at least back in the day, right? When it was like, if it was an overcast, they had to wait for the, for a clearing, right? They had no compass. They had, they had to use a sextant, right? To, you know, go off the North Star to know whether they were going this direction or that direction. So they just had to wait. And so, you know, it's like, well, why? Why couldn't they just keep sailing? Well, they'd be sailing in circles or they'd be going farther off course if they didn't know where they were going. So, you know, you constantly have to bring it back to that goal. And there's right. nothing wrong with having a goal, right? I mean, that's the whole idea. It doesn't mean that it's carved in stone. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't change your mind. I think that's another one of those things that people get nervous about, right? Like, oh, if I produce this goal, then, you know, what if I change my mind later? Well, then you change your mind. But, it, you know, it's different between changing your mind and, and, and just, you know, willy-nilly changing it every time something gets tough. And then you're not going anywhere, right? You're just spinning in a circle, chasing your tail. Right. So it's like, you know, if, and if, if you're okay with that, well, you know, there are plenty of people that do it. So obviously a lot of people are okay with that. Um, you know, deluding themselves into thinking that they're moving toward the direction that, that they want to go. To sort of goad people into acting and something I've used for myself and in, in doing the exercise of, you know, what do I want and why do I want it? It's that it's not an optional exercise. And what I mean by that is whether or not you sit down to do it or not, it, 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 it still is happening. And what that means is if you sit down and do it, you direct your mind in a way where you go through this exercise, you list out what you want, why you want it, and you come up, you, you're choosing a star in that sky, right? And then yep. you're going for it, right? If you don't do the exercise, it's not even so much like you're, you don't have a goal. It's just that you have a thousand of them and that you're letting it go in a million different directions, right? And so, because I think if you don't represent it in that way, people people are like, oh, I'll get around to that. I'll get around to that. And they're not getting the gravity and the import of not doing it. They're not mm -hmm. understanding that you are always directing your awareness and energies towards something. It just might be, simple, it could be two things. It doesn't even have to be a thousand. It could be two things in opposite directions, right? right. And all of that amorphous uncertainty and anxiety and pain and you're going, oh, I just wish I could feel better. I just want to, I uh, just, if only, and all these, if onlys and wishes and buts and, and, and everything that feels like discord and chaos and disunity. It's like, that is the result of the fact that you have not decided on a course. That is, right. that is that, that is the manifestation of being rudderless. Right. And so it really pushed people into that exercise. Because for me, it took me a long time to approach that exercise at all. Yeah, and it, sure. Like to, you know, light a fire. Like Jordan, Jordan Peterson always talks about that. Right? You can motivate someone towards something or away from something. And if you can do both, more, you know, the better. So it's like, here's the promised right. land and here's the devil's pitchfork at your ass. Like, oh, let's get moving here. <laughs> all you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, a hundred percent agree with that. You know, it's, it's a, again, you know, it's like using practical analogies. I mean, that's why I use them so much. It's not just 
you know, because it was one of the best pieces of advice, you know, one of my teachers told me was that like anything that is theoretically confusing to you, try to put it in a physical, um, you know, uh, in physical parameters, you know, so it's like use an analogy of something physical because then it will make your, it'll make your mind clear about what you understand, what you don't understand. Right. So it's like with stuff like that, it's like, you know, from my experience, and being in a, a very rural area, I mean, we, you know, we get notices all the time of people who are lost in the woods and whatever, they've gone off the path or whatever it is, right? So, and, you know, many, many times, I mean, you talk to these, you know, people who are um, rescue people, it's like they'll find these people, like they've just made these giant circles, right? Because they don't have any bushcraft at all, right? If they're off the trail, they're off the trail, right? They don't know the, the basics of using, you know, from a compass to whatever, or maybe they don't even have that stuff with them. They just assume that, you know, their phone's going to work or, <laughs> you know, right. plenty of places around here still, the phones don't work. You don't get a signal. And so, um, you know, not having any idea, but then putting yourself in that really treacherous environment, you know, as far as getting lost goes, you know, can, you're really putting your life on the line, right? It's like, and just knowing the basics of like, pick a tree and walk to it, pick another tree, walk to it in a straight line. You know, it's like you, you keep doing that. You're going to eventually hit something, right? It's like, right. but when you just sort of like maneuver around, it's very easy, believe me. And it's very, very easy. People don't think about it, but if you just drop somebody, uh, if they don't have those basic understandings, you drop somebody in the middle of the woods, they're going to, I guarantee you, they're going to just be walking in circles forever, you know, until somebody comes and collects them. So it's, it's very hard. That's an interesting analogy, you know, like you said, against the spiritual practices, right? I mean, you, you can go, you go into the unknown without, you can get bruised up. You don't, you know, you need to know what you're doing, right? You'll get bruised even if you don't know what you're doing, or even if you do know what you're doing, right? But it's like, but it'll be bruises, you know, and that, that was another one this same guy would say, you know, it's like, I expect you to get bruised, you know, psychic bruises. I expect you to, I expect you to get bumps and bruises. Right. Nobody just straightens their tie and walks away, right, unscathed. That's a movie idea, right? That's not reality. But you don't want to get a knockdown punch, you know. Bumps and bruises, fine. Scratches, even cut, fine. But you don't want to get a knockdown or a killing blow. You know, that's the idea of training well is that you'll, you'll, you have a better chance than not of not, not having that happen to you, you know, but it's, but it's like, you know, don't expect to just come out of it unscathed. You will change. Otherwise, look, if you don't change at all, you're not going anywhere. You're not, you're going to be exactly where you are, where you are right now is exactly from what you've done to this point. It's that clear, you know, in order to achieve something different, you have to change yourself. It's the only thing that you have any kind of um, control over is just yourself. You can't change other people. You can't change the rules of the government. You can't change the, you know, the, 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 you know, the type of, uh, medium that we use for money or whatever. It's like, you know, you can only change yourself. If something's valuable, you know, we, a society considers it valuable, then you change yourself to be able to produce that value, you know, or, or, or introduce them into something that you think is valuable that, you know, they may not know all, all of a sudden, you know, already. And so the, you know, that you can produce that for them and make yourself okay. But it's like, 
I, I just, I feel like, you know, that it always comes back to those things. You know, it's like you're, you need to be able to engage it in a way that, um, produces a certain effect for you. And so that you can, but it's going to involve changing yourself, you know, making some parts stronger, making other parts, you know, eradicating other parts as much as possible in order to achieve, you know, the goal that you're trying to achieve, whatever that is for each person. Right. I, don't, I don't put any value Sacri- on you that. You have to sacrifice everything you don't want to be to be that which you want to be. I mean, you know. Exactly, exactly. And, it, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, when I start thinking about, and I'm not talking about, you know, we're just using the general ideas, right? It's like, look, you know, we know, we, you know, again, we don't have to guess about this stuff anymore, right? We have data on these things, right? It's like, and, and, and just because people are trying to achieve some kind of spirituality doesn't mean that they're, um, they're apart from this data. They're part of this data set, right? It's like, look, we know that the average human, you know, in the United States watches five hours of TV a day. Well, that's a pretty sad thing because I know I'm not, you know, and so, and I'm sure you guys probably aren't either. Uh, six, know, seven and, over here. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So you, you've got two of mine, you know, or one from Nelson and one from I me. I pick you up know. the slack from you later. <laughs> I know we're, we're, we're slackers when it comes to that. So, you know, it's like, but that means there are other people that are literally turn it on from the morning to night. Right. It's like they're doing right. 10, 12 hours a day. And yeah. So, they're sitting in front of that flat electronic light machine that, you know, make shapes that their, their reticular activation system can recognize. And right. It's good. I mean, it works it's out. The, it's, it's the big brain eraser. You know? <laughs> <laughs> is it Newton Minow television is a vast wasteland. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but that's it. I mean, and there's nothing better to just sort of give your mind a break, you know, when it comes to that or, you know, like, Oh, I just want to watch something that's entertaining that I can just let my mind go and, I don't have to think about it. I can literally be entertained. Right. And that's fine. It's like but super it's- neutral. It's like you, you, we, we have found so many neutrals. We're so, that's what our society does. It's just like, look at this neutral that I found. And, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's difficult, you know, it's like, so, but that becomes the norm. And then it's like, everybody's trying to up, one up themselves in neutral. Right. So it's like, yeah. but where does that get? And then wondering why they're not moving forward. Right, right. So, you know, cool. you, can, you can push the pedal to the metal in neutral all you want and the engine revs, but you're still not going anywhere. Right. You know? So, so I know. Uh, for those of us that remember standard cars. <laughs> <laughs> Loser. <laughs> so I know uh, Nils has a uh, limited time this afternoon, so I want to wrap <laughs> wrap it up um yeah next but, time we'll do like six hours but this is yeah, awesome <laughs> <laughs> but um you know i think um one thing would be uh great i just want to ask nils one other question um you know since a lot of this you know we, we talked a lot about value and um and uh to that point you know i'd just be curious you know because like one of the th- things that i was saying earlier about the program that we're doing ha- is for, for me, you know, it's, it's a challenge to always like articulate the, the tangibility of, of, of that value because I'm so close to it. Like even as an artist, um, in creating each piece of artwork that I make, you know, it's like my, 
it's like almost like my, um, my assessment of its value is so important for, you know, my, my confidence in, or even my ability to like, I'll let somebody give me money for it, you know, is like my, my, uh, my stamp of approval that I've put on it, you know, it's like, is it good enough? Is it perfect enough? Is it valuable enough? Is it beautiful enough? Is it, you know, like, oh, there's, so, so that's constantly going on inside me as the creator of everything that like I produce. And so, you know, I'm, um, try to hold myself to a very high standard. So it's, it's hard to sometimes see, um, the beauty or the value and the things that you create, um, that you, you know, that aren't always like perfect or finished. And I feel like this program that I'm making with Brian is like something that's like, we're all, we're always working on it, you know, like it's always, like it's always getting better. And it's like, I always see room for improvement and, and ways that it can be better. So I guess what I wanted to, I was just curious, maybe you could share like from your perspective, like um, what you, cause you've been one of the members of this thing for, from the beginning for the past, like three years, you know, like I, I'm just curious, like what, what is your experience of that? value what's the value that you get out of being a, a member of a program of our program i think you know there's a obviously a, uh, it's my own experience right you're asking for mine and it, it is very personal and i think it's gonna you know just to speak generally I, I think it will vary from person to person and i think that's the beauty of what you're doing is that you're presenting very real spiritual principles simplifying them and laying them out for people to understand being available to ask questions and to explore those principles through their own experience, through their own unique, you know, fingerprint that they are, because those principles are going to apply to them, but they're going to apply in, in different ways. And the reason I just set it up like that is that my answer to you, it might be a little different, but you'll understand it from some of the things that I spoke about on this, on this talk. And that's, um, you know, for me, when I look at the program and it's something that you guys have espoused and that's that the program is, is not for just anybody, right? You want, like Brian says, he wants those people that are, uh, you know, you get the keys to the kingdom and want to make the most of it. And, you know, you, it's, it's sort of a, you know, it's, it's a higher level demand on people to, to put the work in right now it is for everyone in one sense, but it, it, you're only going to get something out of it if you put the work in. But if you're someone like me that comes to it and you, and you find yourself not, you're not doing the work. I'm not living up to that level of work that Brian lives his daily life in that I know you, Dustin, do you, you put in on a daily basis, right? I don't find, I didn't have that come naturally to me, you know, and a part of that's just the way, you know, I have a very different personality. I mean, I, you know, I have certain things that are working against me in that front, but at the same time to achieve something to focus. So, you know, what does that mean to me? And, and, and what it meant to me from, from being in the program and being around you guys and learning all these principles, it, it sort of coaxed that out of me. It sort of sussed that out of me to say, okay, what do I need to do to get this work done? What is it that I need to do? And, it, and, it, and really, it was right at the very beginning. And we've talked about it on this call. And it's what do you want and why do you want it? And if there's no, any, nothing else that I get from this program, it's the value of that. I mean, that really is it. And if you look at, it, it's interesting, you look at that as kind of the core and then you, you build these, you know, the body relaxation and all, you build these, these core principles around it. But the core of it is, what do you want and why do you want it? Day one, you've got to answer that question. And I struggled forever answering that question, but sort of being around the program and, and, and listening to you guys talk and listening to, you know, the the various videos and, and all of the talks and just hearing that over and over again and constantly getting hit with it in the head. What do you want? Why do you want it? And realizing that I'm not answering that question accurately enough, I realized, 
finally what Brian means when he says, go do the simple practices. It's like, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. I've got to answer those questions. And that for me was the biggest thing was realizing that power in, in those simple practices because it's easy. It, it's so funny. I mean, it's, it, everything is like right there. It's writ large. It's, it's, it's right there. But it's so easy to overlook the simple practices. I can literally hear Brian tell me, hey, I'm this established practitioner. Seems like an accomplished guy. You know, he comes across as, as having lived what he espouses. And I have a certain level of trust with him because I know you and I know, you know, I know Brian on a certain level. And I can still hear him say, these simple practices are the most important and go, Oh, okay. Oh, cool. All right. I'm going to go do this, <laughs> you know? And it's like, hear him again. Oh, okay. The simple are the most important. Mm, yeah. I don't know. What can I do? That's cooler. Where can I go? That's going to be more fun than this. It's like, Ugh, cause it's really fucking hard. I don't know. Like when I sit down to do that, all this stuff comes up. That's like kind of me. And I'd rather just be kind of this other idea of who I am. And so to really sit down and do those, uh, that, that for me, and I'm not done with that. I mean, that's still an ongoing process for me. But just starting that is, again, the best thing that I could possibly do for my spiritual growth, right? Because my experience, my world, everything that is around me, the people I surround myself with, the environment I'm in, the nature of that environment, that is all a reflection of who and what I am. And to realize that and engage with that on a daily basis, you know, and, and again, learning those simple practices, you know, from you guys, and then even some of the higher level stuff, maybe you just take tidbits from it, you know, and it's about with the, with the contact course now, you know, it's again about being in my environment, being aware of my environment, being aware that it is a reflection of me and, and, and kind of experiencing it in different ways rather than shutting myself in. Cause I'm, I'm a very mental person, um, you know, intellectual to be in my head, to, to get more into that experience and realize that here I am in this world and I'm doing it. And, you know, where do I want to put my awareness, my energy and my focus? And that's, that's what do you want? What do you want it? So does that answer your question, Dustin? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I, yeah. And I think just in a nutshell too, I mean, you know, the, the really good point that you hit on was, you know, and much like Dustin was talking about with his artwork, you know, is it this, is it that, is it, good enough for him to actually have somebody want it or pay their own time and effort into acquiring that and, and uh, sacrificing that in order to acquire something that he produced. And, you know, and when I think about it again, you know, from a, uh, you know, we're all creators, you know, we're all artists in a way. I'm hoping that we're all artists in a way, you know, it's just, you know, some of us are still drawing stick figures and, you know, and if we're okay with that, we're okay with that. But, you know, the thing that we're all creating is a life, right? It's like, we're creating the life we want. I mean, that's where my, you know, my idea of spirituality should be helping people create the life that they want. You know, if you're falling short by your own, you know, estimate, you know, that you're falling short in any of those other areas, right? then, you know, then you use your spirituality to understand that, to see that mirrored in your environment and say like, oh, that's not them. That's me. That's an aspect of me that's, that's being mirrored in the environment. So, right. you know, what can I do to adjust myself to that? You know, am I in the, you know, am I correct? Am I wrong? Am I, you know, let's, let's evaluate that and see how I can enhance it or dissipate it, right? That's in it. order to produce the, produce the life that I want in any aspect. That's an interesting uh, thing. Brought up this thing I, I, I say to myself sometimes, and that's um, you're either creating or you're inheriting. 
right? So mm-hmm. you're either creating or you're inheriting something that you've already created, basically, right? You're living out a pattern or something, you know? Right. And so it's that moment of sort of like, okay, if I don't want it to be like this, I've got to create something new. I, there ha- I have, I, it's up to me. I am, I am inheriting, I'm, I'm living my karma, I'm, I'm inheriting everything that I've created and creating. It's up to me to change that and create, so. Right, and if you don't do it, somebody will do it for you. And they're usually a dick. <laughs> we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that's one of you know one of the universe's tricky little you know yeah, what backhanded heck? compliments. You know, it's like oh, you're not going to do anything about that. Well, maybe there here's a little motivation for you. You know, <laughs> you're just going to leave that open space. Well, you know that whole nature of pours a vacuum, right? So let's uh, let's put something in that space that really occupies it to the nth degree (laughs) all right boys i gotta wrap up but uh it was really good talking to you yeah good talking to you man awesome cool well um thanks everybody for tuning in and um like uh, we discussed in the earlier part of the conversation i guess we'll keep our uh program open to the public to join whenever they want for 90 days. We'll run our experiment and see what happens. So if you guys enjoyed it and you want to dive into some of the practices, we wholeheartedly invite you to do so. And uh, if you have any questions about it, uh, you can always email us at to be silent at to be silent.com. And thanks again.